Welcome to the Ancient Future Heart Podcast. I'm Kelly Ingram and I am so excited to be sharing this with you. It's been a long time coming. So what you can expect from this episode, which is the very first episode, we're going to talk about why. We're going to talk about what the podcast is all about, answer all of your questions and curiosities on that. And then in the second part of this episode, we are going to talk about my story. I'm going to share how I came to start this podcast, and that is going to be up on my Substack for subscribers only, which is essentially functioning for the podcast like a membership space where you get access to articles, private podcast episodes, and you can follow the link in the show notes, and I'll talk about that later. But first, let's dive in. So in this first episode, we're going to cover why, why I want to focus on this, which is really the, an exploration of the meaning of life, if I'm completely honest, and focusing on this question of creation. What, what is the world? Where, what is humanity? Where did we all come from? How did this all start and begin? And we are going to be looking at it from multiple perspectives and facets, from science to ancient history to mythology, why I care about those topics. Um, We're going to talk about the element of the trickster, who is really a archetype, a mythological archetype, who is the guide of this podcast. And I'm going to explain why that is. So in myth, Hermes is the god, the trickster god in Greek myth, or Coyote is the trickster spirit in a lot of Native American myths, sometimes Raven, Loki in Norse myth, and many, many, many more. All all traditions have this kind of figure, and we're going to talk about why that applies to ancient future hearts. And really, really, I want to start with the name. Why the name? Why does it sound familiar? Well, if it sounds familiar to you, that is because there is a book by an Italian artist named Carlo Levi, who he wrote a book in mid 20th century in Italian. I can't, I'm not going to try to pronounce it in Italian, but the book is called The Future Has an Ancient Heart. And I haven't read the book. It's not inspired by the contents of the book, just the collection of those words. I remember seeing this in a you know, an Instagram post like five years ago, and it just really resonated with me. And it makes so much sense. This captivating combination of words is just perfect for what we're going to be doing here. And it's one of these names back when I used to own a business, a wellness business that was a infrared sauna studio and a shop. And it really reminds me of the naming process for that company, which was called Inner Light, where the name came and I thought about shaking it and changing it. And then every single time I could try to, I couldn't. So that's been happening with this podcast where the name downloaded one day and I was like, oh my God, that's it. Ancient Future Heart. And I've tried to rethink it and think of other names. And every time I do, I get a very, very strong message that says, nope, nope. This is it. And it's really very simple in that, and I love that about it, how it it does actually very much reflect what we're going to be talking about here, which is all things ancient 
from history to mythology to really thinking about human nature itself and the purpose of humanity and the earth to and rethinking those things by the way you know thinking of them outside the normal paradigms of science of even you know academic mythology of the timelines and the history that we're taught we're going to really be poking holes in all of that which is very hermetic to poke holes which we'll get into in a minute and then the future which is really kind of captures the essence of the science you know we're I want to dive into cutting edge science with you to make it super simple and digestible for you to for us all to understand the quantum mechanics of the world, the, the there's actually all of these really fascinating fields and complexity science and information technology that all relate to better understanding the fabric of reality, which which is creation, right? It's it's why was the world created this way? How does the world actually function? And the the best scientists of any day are are philosophers and they are understanding this all in a context of spirituality because we are inherently spiritual beings. It's it's what it's what we are, it's in our DNA, it's in our makeup, it's been part of us since as long as we know is to ask these questions and to contemplate the creator in all of it. So this really is a podcast about God too. You know, what is God? Asking that question and being really brave about how we think about it and consider it. So I really believe that this, what we're going to be doing here, my experience has been that this has transformed my life. It's transformed. It's a really a spiritual practice. It's an intellectual practice of learning and captivating and cultivating an open mind through asking really big questions and being courageous enough to go there and to rethink my beliefs based on the information that comes up. And over the years, this has continued to open my mind to the vast magical possibility that is life. I call it, I like to call it cultivating a cosmic perspective because the word cosmic, I think is just really beautiful and key here in that it epitomizes not only how we are thinking about the cosmos itself, the stars, how they were made, where it all came from, but we're zooming out as high as the stars. We're going up, 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 and then we're looking down on earth. We're looking down on ourselves and being able to hold a very high viewpoint, a very vast range of perspectives and information. And another thing that it does is I discovered this actually through the gene keys, through my own gene keys. There is this really beautiful quote associated with gene key 17, which is my life's work gene key. And I can, I'm going to touch more on this in the second half of this episode, but this one quote I wanted to share with you today is the first thing you have to do 
is free your mind from the responsibility of running your life. That is the job of your heart. Your mind is here to serve your heart. Once your mind is free from worrying about your life, its higher gifts will become apparent, end quote. And that's the heart. What I have found, and this is, you know, in, in modern, the modern wellness world, the online Instagram wellness world where so often, and generally, you know, in even ancient practices, like various forms of meditation, we're really taught that the mind is our enemy, that the mind is so busy and so vast and, and a trickster that we should be fearful of it, not fearful of it, but we should avoid it. You know, it's something, and I think we should, like, I think that meditation is incredibly powerful, but what this podcast is itself is the opposite. We are going right in, right into the mind. We are working with the mind. We're giving it a job. It actually kind of reminds me of mantra-based meditations where you take a word and you repeat it as the meditation. And I find them really helpful for my own busy mind because you're giving your mind a job, right? And this is very similar to that. But we're letting our mind explore. We are putting our mind to work in a way, at least for me, that it doesn't it doesn't get that work because I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom. That's my that's my main job. You know, that's my main role and purpose at this point in life. But I love, I love intellectual pursuits. I love to learn. So this gives my mind so much really beautiful information to play with. And it takes my mind off of overanalyzing my life, overanalyzing myself, which, yeah, that's, that's a big, big burden to be lifted. That's a huge, huge win for me in my life is giving my mind a job, which is the podcast itself. But before it became a podcast, I've been doing this for years and years and years quietly on my own without anyone knowing, filling a library of books and just reading, reading, reading. And it has been, yeah, it's, it's really been the center of my spiritual path and practice. And it has continued to just totally open my perspective over and over and over again and transform me as a person. And that's really the last thing I want to say on this, which is that, which I'll say a lot and get into again and again, is that it's really taught me to be comfortable in the unknown. And that's really hard. It's really, really fucking hard to be comfortable in the unknown. I'm personally moving through a lot of unknown right now in my life. I think a lot of us are. So many people I talk to are in a period of transition. It feels like this is a very trans, very much a year of transition, a year of change. We're coming out of one era, let's call it 2020 to 2022, and moving into a new one. And when we learn new information, which a lot of us did in those years, it changes your life. It changes your perspective on life and then you have to change and then your life has to change and those those effects all trickle out and down. And so I can tell you that if you engage in this podcast, if you engage in the practice here of cultivating a cosmic perspective, that you will change and your life will change 
And as it changes, you'll be more comfortable with that change itself, which again, is where we're going to go into the, the archetype of the trickster, because that is that archetype that in mythology rules change, um, it rules initiation. So it's really another aspect of it is through this process, we're combating the sterility and the disconnection of modern life through these mysteries that we generally don't dare to touch. You know, they can be really scary. But when we decide to face them head on and to, to come at them willing to see multiple perspectives inside. So if you have a very set belief system around what God is, you might not enjoy this podcast. It might not be for you. If you have a really set idea of science of the story of humanity you're you're probably not going to enjoy this podcast <laughs> um but this is very much about our humanity and that's why mythology is going to be a very important part of it because i think i know that mythology brings us to this intimacy with ourselves and this intimacy with the gritty gritty truth of life that we'd rather not look at but the more we can come into contact with it the more we can breathe through it and move through it in our own lives it's it's really like flexing flexing a muscle because as we see that the mystery of life in the fabric of reality and what we're learning about ancient human history about science especially science i'd say especially the 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 cutting edge science is reflecting back to us some really wild possibilities about what this all is and that can feel really intimidating but what it has done for me and what I know it'll do for you in this process is it actually is, has made me drop back into my heart it's brought me a lot of wonder and awe in my daily life and therefore a lot of gratitude gratitude the more I realize how complex it all is the more I'm just really, really grateful for the little things in life. And we could all use so much more gratitude and we all know the power of gratitude. So one thing I think that's really important to put forward here is that I'm not here, you're not here, this podcast isn't here to seek answers. We are here to ask questions. There is no way, there is no solid truth. And I, again, I know that can be scary, but it just... It is. It very much is. And the various ways we're going to explore this are going to teach us that again and again and again, because we're not, we're not going to be buying into one paradigm here. You know, you're going to listen to a lot of other podcasts, buy a lot of other books, watch a lot of other influencers talk about the way, you know, in health and wellness, maybe they're vegan or they're carnivores or they're biohackers or, you know, in, in other things, maybe in religion, they have a very, they, they're a Christian or they are a Buddhist and they're going to teach that as the way, the path. And it is a way, it is a path that can be, any of them can be incredibly fulfilling and meaningful. Science especially seeks answers. It desires clarity, but myth, myth, myth muddies the water. Myth reminds us of our humanity. 
I want to quote a book um, that I just absolutely loved called Trickster Makes the World by Lewis Hyde. And the quote is actually from the prologue, which was by uh, Michael Chabon. And the quote is, myths are only stories, stories are only lies, and lies are all we have. Lies, which is a really, really fascinating question to sit in, idea to sit in, is what are truth and what are lies and what is a story? And stories are all we have. The stories that we tell ourselves about who we are, the stories that we tell ourselves about life itself. And I'm here to help you question all those stories and start to see those stories in a way that is really illuminate them from new angles and open up how we view life in a way that will make life inherently more magical because it is, because it just is. So science satiates our desire to know. And I want to just quote one other quote, which is um, Aristotle wrote that Homer, who wrote the Odyssey, first taught the rest of us the art of framing lies the right way. And mythology, that's why I love mythology, because it challenges our idea about what is truth and what is lies, especially in this world that's all about knowing, it's all about science. It's like, we know, we know the answers. We know all these things. And that's, that isn't true. That isn't true. Science, science is really supposed to be an exploration. It's supposed to be a, a continual asking of questions, of theories, because Theories are just ideas. Theories are just ideas that we are creating, creating data around that we are gathering, whether it's, whether it's quantifiable data or whether it is observational data, right? Science is really just supposed to be the, the art of observing the world so well that you can, um, draw a, you know, a living, breathing conclusion about it that is provable over and over again. But myth, myth feeds our soul in a way that's impossible to fully articulate. And that's why mythical stories are really about symbology and allegory more than anything else. And I loved, though, I really love to play with this idea, and we're going to get into this over the podcast, um, of like, but what if, what if all myths are seated in truth, which they are, they're all seated in you know, archetypal truth, but what if they're also some of them, many of them, all of them seated in real truth? What if the gods do exist? What if they, God or gods, did walk the earth like every single ancient culture all over the world says they did? The golden age. What was the golden age? And there's some really incredible archaeological evidence of floods, of a time before our time where there was a very advanced civilization on the planet. I'm not saying aliens, but I'm not not saying aliens. <laughs> See, this is what we're going to get into together. Everything is on the table. I'm not here to tell you what to believe. I'm here to take you on a journey with me. I've been on this journey and we're doing it together now. I'm sharing it with you. I'm sharing all of 
this. I mean, I feel like I have so much backlog of years of information to just spill out into this space together and then continue to move through it and ask these questions and see how it all unfolds. So what is going to happen from listening to this podcast is that your perspective is going to come open in a way that makes life come more alive, more possibility, more groundedness, more magic, more integration of all aspects of yourself through, yes, playing in the darker questions too, playing in where did, where did evil come from? What is our shadow? And learning to be okay in that in-between space, which can be simply just an in-between and then it can be this really vast un- unknown, like the deepest, deepest unknown of, but, but what is this all really anyway? And we're going to do it together. So, because that can feel lonely and it doesn't need to. And when we stay in that tension, stay in that tension between being open to all of these possibilities, it gives birth to transformation. I just saw the morning star come over the horizon as, as I speak to you. Um, which is really beautiful. It's glinting at me through the trees. But this is the third path that Jung talks about, Jung talks about in in his work, that when we stay in this tension of the unknown, that new pathways unfold that take us places that we didn't we didn't know we could go or wanted to go. So as I've said, Ancient Future Heart is going to really focus on this question of creation, time, space, why, what is this fabric of reality? We're going to talk about the descent of the fall, right? What is the fall? What was the fall? That original disconnection from God, which is understood, again, by most cultures, all cultures, as core to the human experience as really the beginning, you know, in Genesis, it's the beginning of the human experience. Um, it's the why of suffering. And we're going to, it's really all the purpose and the meaning of life, which is so deeply tied to our future, right? We can't create our future when, when we don't know what we believe about who we are and what we are and where we came from. How do we know what comes next, right? So I want to talk about the archetype of the trickster because the trickster is our guide here. And I just mentioned the book, The Trickster Makes This World is a really, really beautiful one. I highly recommend it. I'll link it in the show notes. But my role as your podcast host is to be your messenger. And archetypally, the messenger was also the trickster, Hermes. And I'm going to be showing you a winding path. The trickster also rules the road. He rules, which is, it's usually a masculine archetype, but he rules, yeah, the the traveler's path. And he's always on the road. That's something that's, that's unique to the trickster. The trickster tends, tends to not have a home or to be constantly leaving that home to, to speak to people, to guide them, to ask questions, to make mischief, but it's always mischief that creates something new. Actually, the trickster is generally seen as the foundation of language itself. Um, The trickster is often seen as the creator of various parts of the human experience, including death. In a lot of myths, um, the trickster gives birth to the experience of death by you know, making a stumble, making a mistake. 
it's not always Adam and Eve in all different cultures. Sometimes it's coyote, sometimes it's raven, sometimes it's Loki in one in one myth um, temporarily because it goes away, but brings brings death and age to the gods. You know, the gods start to age because of one of his one of his foibles. Um, so we're gonna look at things from different angles at all times, and that is the trickster's territory. The trickster leads us into these corners where we think we found the answer, and then, and then suddenly, suddenly something comes up that teaches us, you know what? We don't have the answers. The trickster is the archetype that continues to remind us of that over and over again, and invites us into questioning life more deeply because the trickster knows that in the unknown is where life becomes fully alive. The trickster is Gemini energy, in case you're wondering. And I have Gemini rising and I have my Mercury in Pisces and my North Node in Pisces. And this is, this is very much a Mercury in Pisces exploration we're going to do together into the unknown, into the spiritual depths, into the hidden realms. So the trickster knows that there is no way the trickster balances instinct and in with intuition and intelligence. That's something that's very, very unique to, to this character in mythology, um, especially coyote in a lot of Native American myths. And if you think about the animal of the coyote, they are they're very smart in that most simple way, right? They're just they're clever and they can even they seem to think even more than any other animal, right? Um, in their cleverness of stealing food and prey and and being wise enough to, to eat the scraps, right? That is why, think about it, if you look around in, I live in New England and in America and there's lots of coyotes here. And it, they're the, the, probably the highest predator other than us, the biggest predator. And the reason that coyotes and across the United States, really, coyotes have persisted um, because they can they can eat the scraps, and you know who can't? Wolves. Wolves hunt in packs only. Wolves eat large game animals, um, which is why wolves are again and you know extinct because they they have that proclivity to eat large game animals, which meant livestock as humans grew and. And took over all the land. <laughs> and so as, you know, as the wolves ate the sheep, they got killed by by ranchers and by, and just, I mean, not only by their habitat being decimated, think about it, the coyote's habitat's decimated in the same ways, but the coyote persists because they will hunt alone, because they will eat roadkill, because they'll eat what they can get. And that, I think, is there's a survival, right? There's just this very deep um, ability to survive. And the coyote survived so well because of its willingness to go where others weren't, to be adaptable. Yes, that is one of the keys of this archetype. Um, And it's one of the keys of this podcast that we're learning together is by exploring life from so many different angles, these questions of life, we are teaching our mind to be curious, we're teaching our mind to be flexible and adaptable in a way that will serve us throughout throughout all aspects of our day, even in 
you know, the messy mundane of just moving through life, I have found that it's made me so much more adaptable to change, you know, which is an absolute constant as a mother <laughs> of three boys. Um, so Trickster also, something that's really unique about Trickster is Trickster is this, um, it's the archetype that's between the worlds. And that's what this podcast is. We are operating in a liminal space between the worlds, a liminal space that not everyone wants to enter. I'd say 99% of the world doesn't want to enter this space, which is actually one of the reasons why I have held back from creating this for so long. And I'll talk more about that in the second, second half, the second part episode. Um, but yeah, this, this is the, the path between worlds and coyote is literally known for this. So is low. So are all of them for all of the tricksters in mythology is they, they poke holes, they tear holes <laughs> between the worlds. And sometimes that's going to the underworld and very, but very often it's, it's between the gods and the mortals. The trickster is known actually, um, Hermes specifically, for example, is known for spending a great amount of time with mortals and other gods weren't like that. Hermes was a god of um, of Olympus, you know, of one of Zeus's children, and and all the other Olympians they stay on Mount Olympus for the most part. For the most part, obviously they they come down when they do and they interact with mortals too. But no other god quite so much as as Hermes, um, who's in the mix with humans and he's fascinated by them and he you know, he delivers the messages between the world. And what happens when we go into that liminal space and we're, we're willing to move between, between these spaces is opportunity. Vast, vast opportunity. We create more opportunities for ourselves when we're willing to go here. Plato actually, Plato said that Hermes invented language itself as the messenger, that language, the need to create language came from this archetype of, of this God, which I think is really beautiful to have him, to have the trickster as, you know, a guardian and a guiding path for us because this is a podcast. And one of the things I love about podcasts is that we're back in an oral tradition and people are like, Oh, why are podcasts so popular? Well, because they're they're an oral tradition and that's how we always learned. That's how we always communicated for, you know, tens of thousands of years before writing came along. Writing things down is incredibly modern. I mean, we only had the printing press, what I, I mean, I don't have the date off the top of my head, but 1500s. Um, and even then, you know, most, again, still things, most things were written on vellum. Most things were written on papyrus, which had to be retranscribed every few, every few years because they disintegrate, you know, the, the modern papers and inks that we have that last and last are so, so new. It's so new. We spoke forever to each other. We told stories forever to each other. That's what myth is. And, that's what we are. We, we, we are listeners. We are speakers and listeners more than we are writers. And I love to write. I very much am a writer, but that's, that's something that's really beautiful about the podcast space. And it is something that the archetype of the trickster rules. 
So I want to get back to lies for a minute because the trickster invented language, perhaps at least the symbology of the trickster, you know, can be attributed to, to our relationship with language. But does, how does language exist and how is it created? And often in myths, trickster creates language or he creates truths through contrast, through lies. Does truth even exist without a lie? Technically, no. We live in a world of polarity. We live in a world of contrast. That's a basic element of the human experience. And it's the trickster that meddles with the way things are so that he can bring new things to light. I want to read a quote by Nietzsche, the, the philosopher, that says, Truths are illusions about which it has been forgotten that they are illusions. And I love this quote. I love this quote especially. Well, mythology is illusion. It lives in the world of illusion. It stays in the world of illusion. Um, that's why mythology lives. Mythology is a combination of truths and lies. That's what it is. It's, but maybe everything is, right? That's what it reminds us of. And science, modern science especially, you know, it's forgotten. They've forgotten that that their, their truths are illusions. Their truths are based on assumptions. And we're going to get into, in the, one of the next few episodes, we're going to get into this much more deeply and the whole concept of a paradigm. But um, yeah, we're here. The trickster shatters all the paradigms and the trickster continues to remind you that paradigms are just um, thoughts and beliefs that are based on a series of assumptions. And those assumptions are not infallible. Um, modern science, to me, I really see it like a house of cards. And the more you study it, the more you realize that people and academics too, not just doctors, medicine, um, scientists in labs, but um, that we're all just basing, and all of us, I mean, not just them, but it's just, a, it's a world in which, you know, the truth is, is held in this venerable way. And it, there's just so much rigidity in it, I think, really. But um, it's all based on this house of cards where it's an assumption piled upon an assumption and on an assumption on an assumption, a theory on a theory on a theory, and they're all toppled on top of each other, all built on each other. And if one theory falls apart, they all fall apart. And that theory very much well could fall apart as new information about reality and what reality is comes to light and becomes known. So that's science, also art lies are the basis of all art and there are so many quotes i could spend an entire episode talking about this maybe i will and there's so many quotes by famous artists on this i want to read one by picasso art is a lie that makes us realize the truth at least the truth that is given to us to understand yeah think about it all i'm all art is a representation it's a representation of something a representation of something is, is a symbol. It's something that stands in the place of something else. And that could be interpreted as a lie, right? It's, it's not the thing because art is taking the place of things, you know, that can't be caught. Um, I always think of that quote. I love, I love the sound of music, you know, the song and the sound of music. Um, 
how do you solve a problem like Maria, you know, when they're saying, how do you catch a cloud and pin it down? How do you keep a wave upon the shore? You know, these are the, you know, just the unseen, the, the ephemeral, the, the intangible, most of life is intangible. So we have to represent it through art. We have to represent it through story. And science has forgotten that science has forgotten humility right um and i think that's that's one of the gifts of the trickster is the trickster teaches us to be humble over and over and over again so this is a quote from the book um by lewis hyde quote trickster is among other things the gatekeeper who opens the door into the next world those who mistake him for a psychopath never even know such a door exists so I wanted to touch on this because there's a lot of demonization of the trickster specifically um, in, 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 I think, modern day where we're disconnected from myths, we're disconnected from the unseen realms, the spiritual world. And so we assume actually, you know, Hermes, um, all the trickster gods are often Christian, Christianity and Christians have very often throughout, you know, the last 2000 years called them the devil. Um, called them Satan and said that they are the same thing and um, they're not <laughs> um, they're absolutely not I mean evil is something else entirely the trickster is not evil which but I love this quote because it really shows it, it really captures the truth that the people that um, that reduce down the trickster the you know the question asker the um, the heretic, they call them a heretic. They call them evil. They don't even see the door. They have no relationship to the unseen world, no understanding of it in a, in a lived way, in a, in a way of their actual lived experience. They are basing that on books. They're basing it on ideas. They're basing it on other people's world, words and worlds. And I get it. It's extremely attractive to... And I've, you know, I'll talk about this more probably in the, the podcast with just my story, but I've absolutely been tempted into, into religion, you know, into a dogmatic way of thinking because, I mean, I think that it feels safe to our bodies. Um, we are tribal beings. We want to belong. We want there to be just one way because it would make life so much, it does make life simpler. You know, if you can really like get your mind into that paradigm and just decide that this is what life is and this is the way, um, you know, it does make life easier in a lot of ways. I'm not going to lie. This isn't necessarily an easy path, but if you want a path to a more magical, numinous, um, mystical experience with life where ah, things just feel, I mean, like I'm watching this evening, the, the morning star rise like directly above. It is in line with my body, I am completely oriented towards the star, which I will have to check what star it is. It's probably Venus. Um, but the morning star changes at times. But um, yeah, it's, it's magical to live in this space. And I mean that not as in magic, although kind of, but um, life just becomes more beautiful, more special when you decide to live in the unknown when you decide to see the door see the door enter the liminal space with myth and honestly i'm going to tell you that if you don't 
you're going to be knocked into it because that's what the trickster does. That's what life does. That's what life does. <laughs> we think we have a way and then it's, you know, life pokes holes in it. And that's why myth is so powerful because it exists in this, in the gritty, gritty humanness, um, between good and bad, between right and wrong, holding space for it to just simply be to represent life as it is. Um, that's why the trickster is here to teach us about ourselves and our own duality. That's why the trickster brings this disorder because disorder brings vulnerability. We find that the world always across myths and science, it's always created out of chaos in both, you know, um, chaos is generally understood. Nothingness isn't really what it was. So maybe some people think that it was just blank space and nothingness off, but really it was in science, like an energetic chaos. Um, we're going to get deep into the, the second law of thermodynamics, which sounds really boring, but it's actually really fascinating, but not in this episode. Um, and myth is the same thing again and again, across creation myths, the world came from chaos and that tension between order and chaos is what life is. And that is what that law of second, the second law of thermodynamics is, um, which is really the fabric. It's the fabric of reality. It's what keeps life together. It's what keep life, keeps life moving forward is um, our pursuit of creating order out of chaos. And the trickster's job in myth is, is to is to bring the chaos back in, is to disrupt life a little bit to create change. Um, and the change isn't always good, but it, it almost always, it always brings understanding. It always brings like a layer of good, a silver lining um, when we swirl that chaos back into the mix so that something new can emerge. That's how newness comes in. So I want to quote Jacques Monod, the French biochemist and Nobel laureate who said, Quote, nothing new under the sun can happen without, without absolute change. Alone change is at the source of every innovation, all of creation in the biosphere. All accidents are the root of innovation. But what is an accident? What is a mistake? What is a lie? Why are they bad? They're not bad. They bring change. They bring innovation. Because it can only come through what is different. It can only come through that contrast. And so this is how we begin to like, our world is so, so deeply entrenched in, in duality. And I mean, we do live in a world of duality, but um, especially our modern life, it's just the polarity is, it's suffocating us. Um, and this is a way to break out of the polarity is through what we're going to do in this podcast. Um, and it's what the trickster represents. The trickster rules this intermediate space. It finds, it creates, it's driven by curiosity to a morbid degree, but the trickster is also the ruler of signposts. So whenever you're asking for a sign from the universe, it's the trickster that you're communicating with. That's what is, um, the archetype that is bringing in those signs. Um, it's delivering them. It's the messenger. And it's always so inventive in the means and the ways it brings to us um, what we are seeking to know. And that's really what you're going to find here. I think you're going to be surprised what I'm talking about. I think you're going to be surprised by how I'm talking about it. Um, and I've actually had, you know, dreams of making this all very structured, 
But again and again, I'm shown by the trickster, by that, even the Pisces energy of that Gemini and Pisces axis is very much the ruler of this podcast. And it's forced me to really just surrender into allowing myself to be surprised by what comes next and really just going with the flow and, and seeing what arises week to week. Um, and yeah, that, that gift of the trickster to confuse and erase polarity is, it's huge because myth teaches us a primal ambiguity that science, history, and no other form of storytelling can touch. Alchemy, without the assumption, it's like, why are we assuming that gold is better than better than the dark stone? Because it's of more value by society, but but that doesn't really mean anything because that can change. You know, look at Bitcoin. Look at look at. Um, I mean, the a dollar doesn't even mean anything. Our money isn't even backed up by gold anymore. The gold standard went away in the seventies, so. It's all financial systems ruled by myth. I mean, ruled by the trickster, one a million percent. Um, if you study finance, you'll see that it is. It's all illusion. It's all illusion that's making a lot, of, and it makes a lot of people really rich because they decide to play in the illusion. They get in on the illusion. Um, yeah, it's it's that, but that that assumption that gold is better than stone you know that is what leads all of these you know very successful people if you if you look at the world of finance there's so much um so many they call them you know like vehicles different you think about your you think about the mortgage crisis um that was created by people taking these things that have really no value behind them and buying and selling them and trading them um and creating massive amounts of wealth through that, they were taking the stones. They were like, oh, I'm going to leave the gold and I'm going to take all these other um, almost seemingly meaningless things and just trade them. I mean, that's that's literally what cryptocurrency is. So anyway, we're going to keep going. Um, but actually, this is actually in the same vein, which is meaning is derived from substitution, understanding that this means that. Meaning needs contrast, and that's what we're doing here. We're, we're, we're creating meaning. We're seeking meaning. We're seeking what is the meaning of life, what is the meaning of the world. Um, so we're going to create that through this tension that naturally arises when we start to explore this with an open mind. I mean, you can explore it all day by staying in one set of dogma, one set of spiritual texts and beliefs, um, but you're not going to get very far. You know, you're going you're gonna to just... You're just going to stay in a bubble and maybe you're meant to be in that bubble and that's great. But, um, this is, we're here for the change makers. We're here for those who are meant to break the bubbles, um, and show everyone else what is possible in the world. Myth and science are both stories that are birthed from the observation of the mundane. So that's, again, we're going to just continue to show how these things are actually quite similar, the things that seem really different. And science generally um, poo-poos myth, right? Poo-poos that whole world of superstition and silly stories, but they are myths. They're just a different type. Science encodes meaning through data, while myth encodes it through allegory and symbolism. One isn't superior to another. And... You'll learn this by observing yourself and feeling what resonates more with the truth. 
what helps you feel closer to yourself, to others, to God, to spirit, to the roots of the creation, roots of creation, and, and it might surprise you. The Greek word truth, telling to tell the truth in Greek is ancient Greek is aleph. The root word leth is to forget. Is that interesting? So to tell the truth is to be in aleths. Alethia is the truth. The Greek word leth, though, that root that's so central to that word is forgetting. So what we're doing together is remembering. Remembering, maybe we remember through lies just as much as we, if we forget through truth, do we remember through lies? When we forget the illusions of the world, when we forget mystery, when we forget that life is not black and white, that's when we lose our way. That's when we become disconnected. And that's why this process is actually a really beautiful way to combat modern blasé, the ennui, the... Um, the numbness that so many feel that we all feel at different times to, you know, the beauty of creation to I'm sitting here watching the dawn light, you know, hit leaves um, and reflect off them. And, you know, with our screens, with our technology, which I still have a screens in front of me, but we're just so disconnected from nature. We're just so disconnected from the beauty of the mystery and we in this podcast are going to dive back into that mystery together in multi-dimensional ways. So I do want to say that the trickster energy here it is our messenger, our guide. But one thing and it's masculine. It's generally masculine. But one thing that's really important here is that I'm a woman. And that I have a woman and a mother's perspective. And that is what one of the things I'm bringing to this that is unique in the field. Because as I almost every book I read on creation, from science to myth to philosophy, it's all dominated by men. It's so dominated by men. And I think there's a lot of reasons behind that that we can go into. I mean, just very simply that we as women, we have been we have been the mothers and the caretakers the vast majority of our, our time. Our divine purpose is to birth and create life and to nurture it. And so that has kept us, um, again, we can go back to, we are the keepers of the stories. We are the keepers of the oral traditions. It's been the men who have been able to play in this world of what is written. And what is written is what is remembered right now in our modern culture. And maybe we remember the lies, you know, because that's what's written down. And I'm not saying they're lies. I'm just saying um, that everything is an illusion and that everything is here to be questioned. And that, you know, that, that famous saying about how history is written by the victors, um, and victors doesn't mean the, the good guys, you know, we're taught that as children in school, that victors means the good guys. And that is so far from the truth. So, so far from the truth. Um, 
and yeah, we can, we're going to get, get into that more and more over time, but I'm a woman and I am creating this from my feminine perspective and very much informed by this season of early motherhood that I'm in. This er, motherhood has been the most transformational part of my life, period. And this also, this practice has been the most transformational part of my life. Um, they sit side by side. Maybe they're the Gemini twins of my own transformation. I have twins too, by the way, if you don't know that I have five-year-old twin boys. Um, so twins are very meaningful to me, that archetype of the twin. And science and myth maybe are, are twins in this, but there's so much more. There's history, there's philosophy. It's, it all swirls together and they're all really the same thing. But yeah, it's it's been dominated by men. Um, so... But I wouldn't say that the men hold the wisdom, you know, at all. You know, this is, if we think about the priestesses, the healers, the witches, the teachers, the elders, you know, the grandmothers, all the wisdom that they held and that they hold about what life is and what the fabric of reality is. And so um, they are our guides and they are my guides to bringing this information through and women are we're outsiders in a way um I'm an outsider I'm not an expert I'm not a scientist I'm not an academic um I know and we'll get more into that how being in either of those fields um very much very much keeps you indoctrinated because you have to come up through come up through that field come up through those teachings and it limits your mind and you have to be an outsider to break the paradigm and that's why I think it's so important that I am not an expert you know I'm I can't get on here and say I have a PhD in this or that and that doesn't hold me back that's what makes me a unique vessel to bring this information through because I can see the unseen. I can see through the portal. I see the door. So many people that are in different disciplines, they don't see the door. They can't see it because they've just been always taught to see, you know, to look through the, these very specific windows they've been taught to see. Um, we're here to cross the threshold. We're here to open the door and just walk right through it and to change boundaries together. And women, we're designed with, you know, being, giving birth. Um, we're designed to be in the unknown, the very, very uncomfortable unknown. To We're designed to be in the mysteries of life. We've always been the keepers of the mysteries in a way that men just cannot be. Men want answers, and women, we know to just be in it, to be in it, to be in all of it, the pain, the grief, the heartbreak, the joy, um, the transcendence. So thank you for listening to the Ancient Future Heart Podcast. So I want to go ahead and invite you to keep listening. So the second half of this episode, well, I'm calling it that, I guess, because I'm releasing them on the same day. 
which I plan on doing quite often, but it's episode two and this is my story. It's raw, unfiltered, how I came to create Ancient Future Heart at all. And you can go ahead and listen to that here. You can listen to the start of it on whatever platform you're, you're choosing to tune into this podcast on. Or if you want to listen to the full episode, you can head over to Substack. So Substack is going to be the home of our membership, the Ancient Future Heart membership. And there you're going to have full access to all members-only podcasts and essays for $11 a month. This is a space I started Substack like two years ago, and I've written you know, a variety of essays on there, but I decided to turn it into our membership space because I just really love the platform. I already have, you know, some momentum there, right, that we've been creating. So now there will be two to three episodes a month, podcast episodes a month that will be members only that you can listen to in full on there, or you can listen to the preview of it here and see if that's something that you want to join into. The other thing I will say is that this is a community-based podcast. So there won't be any sponsorships. There won't be any ads in any of the episodes. The way that this podcast is going to run and be produced and grow is based on building a community because that's really what I want to do here. That's the vision that I have is to grow a, you know, a, a lot of different people from different backgrounds, anyone who feels called, especially women who want to partake in a conversation around these topics, who want to dive deep and open our minds to all the, the various possibilities cultivating a cosmic perspective together. So we're going to go places a lot of people won't go and, and yes, down some rabbit holes and perhaps what some will call conspiracy theories. And one of the best ways to do that is to do it, you know, with no, no, nothing else in mind, but feeding, feeding our, our, our own community, you know, um, rather than taking on sponsors and ads. So I want to share that. And then the last thing I'm going to share is that I am going to do a monthly book giveaway for this community. So once a month, this month is September, it'll change. So if you're listening to this in the future, it'll be a different book, but you can still enter. So once a month, I'll give away a book to a reader or listener, actually a listener who review rates and reviews the podcast. So to enter the book giveaway, you just have to rate and review the podcast again, especially since this is a community-based podcast. It is so meaningful for you to share your experience, share what you liked about the podcast, even what you didn't like. Um, that feedback is so helpful for me and it's just so helpful for the podcast to grow. And so as a way to give my thanks and appreciation to you and really just share, I mean, people are always like, tell me what books you're reading. Like I want a book list and I'm sure I'll start something in that realm at some point, but for now it's going to be a giveaway of a book that I've loved. So Right now, this month, September 2023, I am going to be sharing uh, the novel Circe by Madeline Miller, which is a novel. It's fiction, but it's based on the myth of the goddess Circe, and it is brilliant. I am, I never read fiction. I'm always reading nonfiction. I'm always reading, you know, very dense books on spirituality and science and scripture because that's what I love, and that's what I'll be sharing here, which is why I'm so excited to share it with you guys rather than reading by myself for years and years. Um, but with this book, I mean, 
it's just, I'm so obsessed because it's a marriage of what I love, which is mythology and history, but it's fiction. And so it's so beautifully written. Her style reminds me of Ernest Hemingway in that she has these short, potent sentences. There's this incredible way of evoking a scene through you know, the least amount of words. And I absolutely love it. I'm almost done with it. I'm going to be so sad when I finish reading it. So if you rate and review the podcast and send me a copy of that screenshot, um, you will enter to win a copy of the book. So again, you can look in the show notes and get all the information of where to send the screenshot of your podcast review. And thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. I appreciate you so much and I'm so excited to continue this journey together.